All righty. So today we are joined by John Berger, CEO and founder of Sonova. All of our listeners are probably pretty familiar with Sonova, but if you aren't, they're a big residential solar and battery provider uh, in Texas and elsewhere. Um, and today we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Uh, so we're going to just jump right into it, but we will start with our typical intro. John, we want to just learn a little bit about you. Um, so one thing is we use this phrase, derpilled, <laughs> which basically means, uh, you know, the uh, process of realizing distributed energy is a big deal, right? Um, so I think how we want to start is asking, when and how did you realize that? Well, I, I got my career started after I graduated from Texas A&M with an engineering degree. I got my career started uh, working for Enron on the power uh, trading desk. And uh, after doing that for, for a while, mostly on the hourly, uh, so you're basically arbitraging power on an hour-by-hour -hour basis. I ran a utility in, the, in Atlanta during the Olympic Games, uh, you know, on a shift work basis. I, was, I took the night shifts and weekend shifts. <laughs> Uh, but uh, I was, you know, I was 22 years old too. So that was pretty interesting experience. And so the reason I bring that up is I had both financial and physical experience. And after doing this for about, uh, I don't know, three or four years, somewhere in there, I realized the existing system was industrial and not digital. And it was really archaic. Uh, and, and again, this is, I hate to say it 25 years ago, you can imagine what I think about it now. And uh and I was, you know, what we need to do, and this internet was, you know, just getting going. It was the internet boom.com, this and that. And and I said, you know, the, this whole energy thing needs to change and it's going to need to be distributed because trying to, you know, run electrons around the countryside is really archaic and it's not reliable and it causes all kinds of physical issues, loop flow problems and so forth. So that was like, hey, we need to put the generation on, on, the, uh, on the load source on the home on the business. So that was my, uh, aha moment. If you that, that's interesting. You know, I don't hear that often, like in the space when really there is such a digital and decentralized or distributed connection, like really the internet is fundament fundamentally enabling like mm -hmm. the decentralized grid revolution. But it's interesting to hear that kind of the internet was first to you in a way that through the lens of, of the, the dot-com boom or the internet, maybe you, you started to see the potential for the grid. Um, I, I wasn't, you know, um, getting into DERs until say 20, 2015 or so 2016. So it was much later. It was maybe more obvious then, but, um, I don't know. That's, that's a cool, uh, anecdote there, I guess. On, yeah, I guess, uh, the progression. I, guess I guess we're the generation that was like on Facebook before we were on DERs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> James has a uh... younger, that, that, that's what you guys are. No, 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 no. <laughs> Well, spe yeah, come on, Duncan. <laughs> spe speaking of, James actually has an Enron summer intern T-shirt he likes to wear, but yeah. I don't, I don't know if your time overlapped there or not. <laughs> yeah, I actually wear it. It says like 1997 summer internship. Yeah? Okay. Um, actually, Kieran sent sent it to me um, from Arcadia, and when people see it, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's where I got my start in the industry. I was I was six <laughs> years old on on the floor uh, for, for the internship. But, um, yes, yeah. Uh, they, with your, yeah. So yeah, I see, I, I got there at 96 and I left in August of 01. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. So, wow. Yep. Wow. Oh, yep. Yep. Clipped it out. Good time to get out. Yeah. Good right. Timing. <laughs> Good timing. Business is about timing, right? So, yeah. 
All right, we're going we're gonna to keep it moving so we could get into the fun stuff soon. Our next question <laughs> for the CEO of Sonova, this might be straightforward. What is your favorite distributed energy resource? Well, you, you'd expect me to say solar, but I actually like the battery. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It gives cool. us more optionality and it's more reliable. Reliability is good, more important uh, and, and increasingly so. So I, if you put a gun to my head, I'd say the battery, but it's okay. pretty, it's actually infrequent that we hear that, which is funny. Like to me, it's the obvious one. <laughs> like, I think you're the first guest to actually say lithium ion battery all the way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. We, we've got some funky answers there. I think people just try to be unique, you know? Yeah, I, I like that you're just right down the fair. Yeah, line. you're like, no, this is yeah. what Perfect. it is. It's yeah. obvious. <laughs> okay, and our last intro question. This is this is the tough one. Um, <laughs> what is your hottest energy take? Hottest oh. energy take. Yeah, like so what? Like, like what? An opinion yeah. controversial. An opinion that's spicy about energy. Oh, that's easy. That's easy. <laughs> Consumer choice, competition, capitalism. Let's. In, all right in, all of those into the u.s power mm. industry that's okay full. like full i want to i want to test how full that is like gritty you're like yes i think or is there, you, or you could have had a, is there a line <laughs> yeah I, I think you could have had a better business model there you, you okay. can't i mean not everybody you know look there's a lot of day traders that have to go back to work now given the stock market and what's been going on the last couple of years <laughs> um and the same is true. You shouldn't be power trading from your as a, you know, a part-time basis, right? From your yeah. house. So I think that there's definitely some guardrails that need to be put on there by companies. And we certainly would sign up for that. I, I can't speak for David, but he's nodding his head. So uh, David Energy, sorry, James. But uh, uh, we've all called him David before. Yeah, no I know. That, that, was, that throws me. That's going to throw me. That's going to throw me. I was thinking David Energy, and then I was just like David. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I think that, look, at, at any time, there's a lot of things you can do as a company, and you're like, hmm, should we do that? Yeah, we can do it. Should we do it? And, uh, so I think that that's a huge caveat to the answer of yes. Um, you know, people yeah. should be able to sign up for uh, for what they want and what they're willing to pay for. And frankly, there should be some competition for their business. I mean, yeah. there is everything else in our life. Why isn't there in power? And we, I think we're going to get deeper into this in the episode, but I assume yeah. you mean kind of in wholesale power markets across the other 20 or some states that are still vertically integrated but do you think that competition extends down to like the actual wires or distribution infrastructure as 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 well for consumers i i think it uh absolutely you know should from the consumer angle uh but you know to be clear about it i think that the 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 wires both transmission and distribution there is a monopoly status there um however uh what what we need to do is 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 a couple of things, in my opinion, is to to essentially allow shareholders of the poles and wires to reap the benefits, or at least some of the benefits of cost cuts. Just like we have the midstream oil and gas, we don't have that ability now, and we should allow consolidation. So you should have some still pretty heavy regulation, but loosen things up and inject some capitalism into the poles and wires, and then generation of all centralized and decentralized and and service um, and customers, those should be all competed for and the customer will will get the benefit of the bargain and, and the competition. Yeah. 
we're gonna ha- we're gonna have a lot of fun with that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like as yeah. i i remember like overhearing in a coffee shop like these people who were moving to texas and they were just like really trying to figure out what electricity retailer to pick and it was hilarious someone coming from like <laughs> i have con ed and then being like i have 50 choices <laughs> Yes. What do I yeah. do? <laughs> it's like when you sit down at a diner and look at the menu and you yeah. say, like, "Oh no!" <laughs> but and finally, perfect. I was like, "Can I help you guys?" <laughs> Colleen's That's always awesome. consulting in coffee shops. It's a recurring theme on on the podcast. Um, but yeah, speaking of, we you know there are two big themes that we want to get into today. I think um, one kind of we're, we're already touching on them already, which is great. Which is kind of. The integration of DERs into wholesale markets uh, through things like uh, VPPs that that I'm sure we'll talk about, um, and then also on on the distribution side when you look at kind of the changing regulatory environment or or utility model and what DERs do from a resilience angle, um, and we like to really go deep on these on these themes. We uh, actually call the uh, you know we say we're we're in the Thunder Dome, you know from from Mad Max the Thunder Dome here, so. Uh, we like we like to get as deep as possible on these topics. So, um, you know, just a preview as to what we'll get into. But um, I thought I'd start with actually, like, actually, John, this is a it's a, a special episode for for me. I, uh, you know, um, the the partnership we recently announced, like, is was a real full circle moment for for me, and that I actually got my start in the industry, uh, designing and installing uh, Sonova systems for like a a local installer. Um, you know, I was, I was a, a master's in mechanical engineering at UT and like handed my resume out to a bunch of local installers, like, uh, yes, a paper resume, uh, and, um, was hired by, by Alba energy. And they were like, just in the midst, oh, I yeah. think 2016 or so, yeah. uh, saying, Hey, there's this great new product, uh, Sonova. They give us like cheaper, uh, you know, equipment and this great financing package. So, we were kind of shifting over from to end phase actually from from solar edge because i think that's what they had been been using at the time um and at the time also i think um you know tesla had just announced the powerwall like lg chem was coming to market mm-hmm. i convinced my boss to let me you know take courses on like designing off grid storage systems and stuff like that because it was it was so nascent at the time so i think it's you know interesting um uh, context, you know, even just my, my journey, I guess I, I recently went down to Houston to, to work with your team and walking into the Sonova office being like, Oh, wow. Like how far have, have I come, but also just how far has the, has the industry come? Right. Because that was just six years ago, right. That, um, batteries were just coming to the market and now we're looking at all these new models, not just the partnership we're working on, but many across the country, bringing tens, if not hundreds and maybe of megawatts and maybe even gigawatts soon to, to power markets. Right. And, um, I think, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's kind of wild to think how radically the space has changed over the next six years and then what the next six years may bring. It may be even a faster, uh, sort of transition. And so I think setting the, the context in the scene there, I'd love to start by, almost going back to how, how you started at Sonova, right? I think it was back in 2012 that it found that, um, you know, you guys, you guys actually founded, um, was battery storage like clear at that time? Like, did you always know that this was going to be part of the picture? And, um, as well as, you know, on the distribution side, like looking at your micro utility project in California, that Genesis as well. Um, or was it more just kind of solar was the big thing and, 
um, you were, you were, um, just starting there and seeing what would happen from there. So I don't know, it would be great to hear, you know, winding back another six, six years behind what, what I started, like what the industry looked like at that time. Um, and this was always sort of part of the master plan. Yeah. The short, uh, and sweet of it is it was always part of the master plan. Uh, and you know, we're, we're still going to unfold a, a new stage in the company and the industry is what we're doing. Uh, James is, is like, how do you take and integrate decentralized into the centralized world? So, you know, going back to the internet, you know, you have decentralized assets and centralized assets that are coming together to provide uh, good and, and unique services uh, depending upon the unique needs of each customer, right? Uh, and what happened there was, is there was a 100% centralized system, the baby bell system, and we then moved into something that was an integrated, decentralized and centralized. And in many cases, for instance, the cell towers themselves still have, you know, hard lines running in between them, right? Um, so I think that we're seeing that here. Um, and so I I go back into a 2014 to, to give you an idea, just a little vignette. I was at a Goldman Sachs conference and uh, a utility analyst uh, stood up and said, hey, um, are you going to be ever make, uh, you know, solar really, you know, viable without storage? Yes or no. And sat down and uh, she folded her arms and looked at me and I was like, oh, man, I know this is, but I got to tell the truth. I was like, no, you need storage. <laughs> she was like, thank you. And she was basically like, you guys aren't going to make it. And I was like, uh, that's that hurt, but I knew that the, you had to have it because the intermittency and the reliability yeah. was key, uh, and it was becoming more key. I mean, I've always wanted be before COVID uh, to to have calls like this, video calls, and I was like, oh no, it's too clunky, it's too expensive, we can't do it. And I was like, man, I'm telling you, it's going to go this direction. And then COVID happens, like boom, you know, as all of us, and it went in that direction. And so now, you know, power reliability is a is a big big deal, even at more and more people's homes, and so. Yeah, it, this has been the vision all along. Yeah. Uh, fuel cells and hydrogen, that might be a part of this. Um, hydrogen is a storage medium. It's not a fuel. Most people, even in Houston, kind of think there is, is a fuel. It's interesting. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, electro uh, chemical, I mean, that that really was the most likely path. And I have to say, 20 years ago, I thought if EVs were to make it, I was an EV skeptic up until about, you know, kind of, 2015-ish or so, uh, 2014, um, if they were going to make it, you had to rebuild the entire car, which interestingly enough is exactly what Elon Musk did, right, to be really successful. So um, yeah, this was the plan all along. So let's make it make it happen. I, I love it. Um, I don't know, Duncan, you want to you wanna jump in there? Yeah, sure. Um... So right, we're we're connecting batteries to all these home solar systems for reliability, but also basically to increase the value of the solar electrons, right? Uh, so that they're not all just pumping out power at the same time, value deflation, all that stuff. How does that really like come together? I guess you need. It, it seems like a big, complicated problem, and I guess that's what these VPPs are all about, right? Um, what is it what does it look like I guess to start with just for the for the customer right like we can get into the sort of business workings of it but for the customer what does it look like to have a battery that's doing all this intelligent stuff 
sort of without you having to think about it. What's the what's the deal? What's the pitch? I don't know. What is it? You want to go first, James? No, I, I thought I thought why well, I actually I thought a great way to segue into this was I just saw you guys announce like a a free battery to to customers in yeah in California right given the NEM changes which yeah. I think is a little you know not quite there in Texas and other markets like given the market constructs but um, maybe with that as a backdrop like do you see that as the endpoint everywhere um, that customers it's kind of out of sight out of mind and they're just adding this with their solar system and it's not really impacting the economics at all or. Uh, is that just sort of a nuance of the California market? Well, it's definitely not a, a nuance of the California market. We just, for, I think, obvious reasons on the marketing side with the NIM 3.0, felt like that would be the place to, to launch us. But I think, you know, the, the overall vision is the adaptive home, the adaptive business, and the adaptive community. And so it's not just adding solar you know, you know, to storage but it's also managing the demand and then managing the electric vehicle and then maybe a generator, maybe a fuel cell, uh, whatever may come, uh, you know, our way on the, on the electrical side of things. Uh, and so it's, it's much more about uh, how do we uh, put assets to enhance reliability? So basically deliver a better energy service at a better price to someone's home, for instance, or the business. And then from there, uh, what a value on the other side of the meter, the so-called front of the meter, can we provide to the you know to a community? Now, one way to look at it from a microgrid standpoint is maybe a small community, and then from a utility monopoly standpoint, right now, um, it could go all the way up to an RTO or an ISO. Right, it could be a very multi-state regional um, in terms of geography community, but. There's value to be had having traded you know, untold amount of power around the system for having that capabilities at the endpoints to basically address issues such as load pockets, uh, which are basically the load gets really high and there's not enough ability because power flows like water to send power in that area. Uh, most people are not aware of that. Um, and then you know, you're adding all these electric vehicles on there that soon will not only be able to, um, you know, suck power uh, at, a, at a, literally a second's notice, but maybe discharge it as well. And, and that becomes really complex on how you manage that. Just think about that. But then turn it over to a, essentially a government entity that's never had any competition in generations, like the, the whole system. And you're asking for a lot out of the, you know, oh, innovation and response. I mean, that's not going to happen with utilities. I'm sorry. The only way you're going to get anything out of it is there's just hose the place off with everybody's money, which is what they all want to do. <laughs> so there's massive amount of inefficiencies financially and physically in the system. And the only way that we found as really, you know, humans uh, to get those inefficiencies out and have more efficiency, basically deliver a better service at a better price, like we want to do at Sonova is to allow capitalism and consumer choice. Okay, I want this and at this price, if not, somebody else is going to give it to me. So figure it out, right? And, and it goes back to the necessities of mother of invention. If you don't worry about ever going out of business because you're a monopoly, guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to innovate. And you're, it's not that they're stupid or you know, they're evil. That's just, they don't need to. But entrepreneurs, like a lot of folks on here, we got to figure it out or we're, yeah. we're going home. 
without paycheck. We got to pay the mortgage, right? That, that That's a pretty powerful incentive. We've all been there. Like, how are you going to make payroll next week? I mean, I don't know. I got to figure it out. That gets you going so that you can do things like, you know, the electric vehicle and, and what Elon Musk has done on countless other things, you know, to bring him up. But that is what is needed in the in the energy business. And it's not just the stationary power business anymore because of electric vehicles. Now it's the stationary and the transportation side. This is a really, really big deal. Yeah. We need more entrepreneurs in here that can come in and say, I think I can make the wholesale part of the system way, way, way more efficient and and therefore provide a better energy service at a better price uh, to to the entire community. That's, I, I think that's so interesting. The thing that I always get caught up on in the like, sort of like comp, like the, I mean, my, I'll use your micro utility, but like the community microgrid and like how you provide value at like the distributed level and then up to the centralized level is how that like, I mean, maybe this is the stupid thing to get hung up on, but like the payments, <laughs> like how, you know, okay, the grid's out, the centralized grid is out. And so now I'm on my like micro community microgrid and I'm now buying power directly from, you know, my neighbor who has access, like how, who's pricing that? How does that work? How do we make sure to your point, because power just kind of flows, right. That I'm paying them for that power, but like, Oh, it goes to my neighbor instead. And like, he doesn't have an agreement. There's not sufficient power. Like those are the things that really like trip me up and get me again, coming from a biased, uh, what I think is one of maybe the most innovative utilities in the country, recognize <laughs> on it. <laughs> not um not necessarily the standard. Um and doesn't come without issues, but like that's where I kind of get into my head starts to like explode of like all of the complexity to your point, which doesn't which isn't to say that that isn't a problem we're solving, but just like that I almost feel like electrically we can solve it easier than we can from like, like a commercially perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I I think this is my belief that we, we, when you go back to the 90s, where you had, uh, which we will never call, de, you know, deregulation again. It's a, you know, four-letter word now, but you know, consumer choice, and you know, it was, I wouldn't call it a failure, but it, it, it was certainly not completed in any um, shape, form, or fashion, right? And, and I think that the, the, the key issue was that was more of a political. Uh, deregulation. It was just moving things around. There was no technology. If you think about it, would the Telecommunications Act of 1996 really have been the spark that boomed out the internet without uh, really major innovations in technology and chips and cellular telephony and fiber optic cable and the internet and the software surrounding? I, I would I would say no. And yet that's what we did with the electric power industry there was nothing new. Uh, and now we have a ton new, that's new. And it's and it's inherently different uh, in the sense that the technologies of solar and batteries are inherently distributed, both in the sense of fuel and the conversion from BTU to, to uh, electricity. We've never had that before. Even hydro is you know, more, uh, is, is, as obviously is, is centralized. You have to you know, take the you know steam engines out, and you have to go uh, the turbines rather, and you have to uh, you know wire the power out. So we knew that these tech or should have known. I I saw this that these technologies were going to be fundamentally changing the electric you know, industry, 
whether the incumbents liked it or not. And that's exactly what's happening and it's accelerating. So then we have to figure out, okay, um, we get into a market power issue, which is what the regulatory system of monopolies was established to prevent. Are we still going to have some issues? Yes, we should assume that. But however, going back into, say, the California crisis of the early O's, you know, which a lot of people like to point to, what if you had a solution where you could call Sonova or some of my smaller competitors up and say, hey, look, I actually want power from them, not you, PG&E or whoever is selling it to me. You have that now. You didn't have that 20 some yeah. odd years ago, right? So I think there is a fundamental shift. There absolutely is a fundamental shift in technology and service companies and capabilities. And, and so we need to go back in there and say, okay, what did go wrong? Uh, and let's fix that. But we absolutely have the ability to solve the economic uh, issue and the physical issue of reliability uh, and, and do so in a competitive way. Now, does that still mean that we have a regulator that's looking over our shoulders and making sure we're not, you know, we're treating people well and so forth. Well, yeah, you still have that in cellular te uh, telecommunications, which is very competitive, right? Uh, so I think absolutely. And that's what we want to engage with regulators and say, hey, we're not saying we shouldn't be regulated. Let's yeah. let's talk about how you feel like we should be regulated. Let's talk about that because yeah. uh, right now the current you know paradigm doesn't really work for anybody. It's it's adding a tremendous amount of cost into the system because the utilities refuse to recognize, you know, what we have on, on the behind the meter because they're not they don't make any money on it. Yeah. That's wasteful. Yeah, John, you know, I think you've hit on like three really interesting intersecting themes throughout which um, you know, I'm obviously biased, but I think the the Texas model is like so such like a promising example of what the future can look like. You know, you you talk about consumer choice, which you know very much exists there with with retail choice. You talk about how important the digital layer here is, and to Colleen's point, looking at how the payments, even things flow, like how you're tracking everything. You definitely need technology to do that. Um, and then uh, you talk about incentives, right, and how you use that to to motivate customers and how they're responding to things, and what I view is those three things kind of tying together in Texas is what's really interesting. What they've allowed to have happen is you have a system behind the meter, you have solar and batteries, say for example, then you just have a meter and you have uh, exposure to the wholesale market through that meter. So, you know, for example, on, on David Energy's side of thing with, with retail energy, there's power pumping out and there's power going in. So there's like revenue and costs. And then you can actually, as a third party, just rebundle everything in the way that makes the most sense uh, for the customer, which can lead to innovative offering where right now, maybe it's not true in Texas, but it is in California. It's just, hey, here's uh, here's your battery. We've done all the math for you. You're just getting backup power and uh, you don't have to think about it. Um, but I, I do think it'll be really interesting to watch over time how those two ideas intersect, which is to me right now, resilience is the killer app for DERs. Like most batteries are not being bought for financial reasons, I don't think. But I wonder how you see um, that may evolve, like given all those pockets in the grid that you with EVs coming, like how, how the economics are actually going to end up working and how they work to such a degree to go out and offer a free battery in, in California um, in that, yeah, maybe, you know, it won't be gritty like your, your power trading on Robinhood, uh, you know, you're a day trader as a, 
as a as a person, but I th- I see a world where you know, we as David Energy, as a retailer, we're going to pay customers for for their power. We're not going to make money off of selling them, treating them as load. They're going to have so much solar and batteries that we're actually going to be buying it from them to sell to sell to others. So, I wonder how you think about that progression from are consumers at the end of the day really just buying resilience right now as a net sort of negative economically, and then like where does this lead? Do you see a world where? even if they're not trading on them themselves, they, they really are kind of becoming like a power plant. You know, they're, they're, they're in some ways still trading with the market, you know, with the decisions that they're making, if the incentives are right. Yeah, I think it, uh, it first starts with reliability. So under a, you know, socialistic system, um, and in some case with the co-ops with the, you know, communistic system, it was basically, here's a 15% reliability target and we're going to spend whatever money it is as a utility and as a, you know, as a NERC region and so forth to go out there and get that 15% reserve margin. And we think that gives enough reliability to the system as a whole uh, to, to, uh, to, to basically live, live on. Now, what that didn't do was the individual at the endpoint of the system, whatever that may be, data center, you know, an office building, you know, a gas station, a home or whatever, and, and that's where the backup generator, diesel fired primarily, but then gas fired later, came into play and said, okay, but if, you, if you're if you like a, a freak and you really need this, like a data center, then have at it, go do that. Um, but, you know, everybody else, it, it's fine. 15% is fine. And yeah, it varies by, you know, the where you are in the system, but overall, it's fine. Well, it's not fine anymore, is it? And that trend is continuing to go in that in that direction. But, you know, for instance, even within, in, you know, folks that work here at Sonova, if you're programming for Sonova, you're at your house, you have a high degree of need of reliability of power, right? And communication, you know, and, and you're probably doing pretty well in, in the sense that you have some, dis, you know, quite a bit of disposable income or some disposable income. So, you know, what, what that means is you're probably willing to sign up for higher reliability because you need it and you can afford it. Whereas somebody else that, you know, works here in the office like me every day and they're like, eh, if the power goes out during the day, what do I care? Nobody's at home and I'm not paying for that. Uh, and then you can choose that. And that's part of this where you can choose things. Now, where the government gets involved is, okay, but what if you need it but can't afford it, right? So this gets into no one's yeah. left behind. You can credit wrap just like we do in the utilities. Utilities provide power to everybody, not because they're just nice people. Because the the state and yes Texas including you socializes losses, so what you're seeing you've seen some press release you know so well not press release but some releases from us is about some of the government coming in and saying well why don't we have a quality who doesn't love a quality on both front of the meter and the back behind the meter and let's put the credit same credit wrap behind both and mm-hmm. so nobody's left behind so that solves your issue. On the you know the issue of LMI for is the way it's really you know the slang on, it. and and then from there, we can devise as competitive providers to meet your financial and reliability needs, and so over a period of time, um, you will become more and more uh, as as a customer you know getting what you want and what you're willing to pay for. So for instance, to answer your question directly. If you really can't go without power, me trading some of your your juice out of your batteries 
to go do some things to reduce your price, you're like, uh-uh. It's, I need to have like nine nines because if, I, if this yeah. podcast goes off, I'm in really big trouble. <laughs> okay, so we won't do that and you'll pay yeah. more. But right. if you're like, dude, I don't really care. You know, uh, if you if you shave 50 bucks a month off my bill on average, go for it. Then we'll do that. And you'll yeah, we'll give you, yeah, you know, yeah. That, that'll be some of the, the value back. So that's all about it's about cho- choice. It's about you choose what you want. And if you could change your mind, hey, I just got a job and I'm going to work from home. And I now I now don't want yeah. the discount. OK, you should be able to change. Yeah, I think so. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Colleen. Yeah. Okay. So, so I love, so I love that choice and I love like the decentralization and I want to, I want to come back to the micro utility side. Cause this is the side that I, in my mind, it's like kind of insane that like we would all have our own individual microgrid on our homes and that like, we wouldn't then try to share that at least on like a feeder level or some other, right? So you ha- sort of have some dynamic recursive approach for, to outages, right? Where you can share power because obviously not everyone's going to be able to have solar on the roofs, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I want to come back to like the consumer choice aspect of that because obviously you guys are considering or trying to, right? Hopefully successfully <laughs> we'll uh, move forward in California. Um, we wish you the best on that. <laughs> really, because it's really uh, game changing, I think, if you can get it. But let's say that you are successful in the micro utility. Um, is that community then like that community has to opt into Sonova and then that community can change from Sonova versus like, do you think that there's potential in the future too to have sort of energy communities that have consumer choice within them? And then there's some sort of like centralized transaction layer on top of that to like enable again, power quality when it's islanded as a community. Cause that's the thing that I find super fascinating, how you kind of enable consumer choice without being like, well, my neighbors all like Sonova, but like, I want X mm-hmm. or whatever, or David energy, but I want Y, you know, like, how do you sort of think about that and how that looks in the future? Well, you know, if you go back to the founding of the electric power industry, everybody was a micro utility, um, all utilities. Yeah. And there, there was never a master plan. When people say there's a grid, I'm like, what grid? There is no national grid. Uh, and and indeed, over, you know, since I've been now starting to be, you know, quarter of a century uh, in this business, it's become more balkanized in more regionalized or low, you know, you know, even on a localized basis. Um, and, and that's because a lot more as the country grows in population and development, there's more of a cost of running a line, whether it's a transmission line uh, or a distribution line. And we can get it, you know, stay out of all the permitting fights that are going through Congress now and so forth on a variety of things. But, but there's there is some economic rationality to that argument by individuals. Um, it's not just economic or sorry, uh, environmentalism or property rights and so forth, but it's some economic rationale. Um, you know, when you look at you know where where we could go is is that you could say, hey, look, if you're willing as a private company to put up the capital to go build out this system, which is effectively a new utility, which is what our a proposal is in California, and there will be other states coming soon. By the way, um, it, it, when you when you look at that, you could say, okay, we could we could have the regulators regulated uh, as such that we would be effectively uh, a utility, and we would have uh, you know the infra- core infrastructure at least 
something that you couldn't just switch from, but we would be regulated and have oversight by the respective PUC. Another way to do it is, yeah, but you could do that for a period of time, and maybe there is some ability to switch out providers and so forth, if, especially if there was a um, historical track record of, a, of a, a lack of good service um, being provided. You didn't put the capital in and so forth. So I think that part um, is probably something that would vary by state by state. And we're open to it to say, what do you think is the best way to, to do this? Um, let's sit down and let's talk about it. But just saying that, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, do it at all, which is, you know, the, some of the initial comments from, you know, uh, California. Well, I think I don't think that's consumer friendly in the least bit. And I think yeah. the vast majority of people agree with that. I always I always come back to as well, you know, when people are buying a home, they're they're looking at the school district, they're looking at, you know, if there's, uh, you know, good grocery stores nearby or what what crime rates look like if there's part whatever whatever it may be i mean why why can't they also be saying what does my power system look like am i going to lose power as who's my utility and having some choice there so um you know it doesn't it may feel radical to like think about someone being able to choose oh i'm going to go live in a sonova home instead of uh, a con ed you know home or something but it is pretty in line with just how people have always chosen how to, where to live, I guess. So I, I don't view it as sort of that. Um, I don't know, calling to your point on um, getting like locked in on, on a, on a certain provider or something. Yeah. Well, I almost, cause I guess like, I almost view that as like the first step, which is okay. You enable micro utilities, but then you are kind of like still locked in to some extent to that provider. I'm like, well, what if then there's like, and maybe the answer is like, there's, retailers on top of that provider still right and so then I was gonna say, you yeah. still have some <laughs> level of consumer choice so then you kind of can be like okay we're all in a sonova community but you know a quarter of the people use this retailer and a quarter use this other retailer and so you're still kind of getting that customization of the way again the things that you value as important or like have that ability um it kind of goes back again i guess to like the wires versus the interface with the customer um yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why you couldn't bifurcate, you know, the 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 microgrid pieces, right? The core piece of it, just like poles and wires, be bifurcated from the current utilities to uh, generation and uh, and assets and and the customer facing. Yeah, right. I would I would be interested to hear. You know, you kind of said up front that there's a there is a natural monopoly on on distribution grid infrastructure. Um, also another kind of funny anecdote is I remember I wrote like this series of articles back when I was starting out in 2017 or so. And one of them was on franchise rights. And I think mm -hmm. I remember you actually retweeting one of them, which was for me, I was like, how did, you know, as a fan of Snova, like how, how did you even find this article? Like it was some random medium, uh, you know, uh, publication, I guess, but, um, you know, so it's, you know, for a while, it seemed like you guys have been extremely innovative on um, sort of just at least challenging the current line of thinking on, if not like the natural monopoly to the core of the utility. But I wonder where you see the tension in sort of owning and building the distribution grid in the community um, and then what that means for for the grid being a natural monopoly. And I think the the easiest way to get into the conversation is around franchise rights, like utility having the exclusive franchise right to build like any infrastructure between homes uh, in, in given jurisdictions. And um, 
while it may still be that it gets a bit balkanized or Con Ed or PSEG or these utilities are still, um, you know, very dominant in given jurisdictions. Do you, I don't know, how do you think about franchise rights? Like, do you think what you're doing challenges that and says you should be able to build distribution grid infrastructure to a certain extent or where, where's like the tension, where does the line stop between a community and, and the, the broader grid, I guess. Yeah, I, I think, I think you should be allowed to, if you wanted to take a risk and deploy capital, private capital, why can't you go out and develop assets? Yeah. I mean, even if like, let's say we had a master plan community and it was a Sonova microgrid and somebody came in there and said, I want to deploy another microgrid on top of this and provide competition. Why would that be banned? I mean, it may make no sense and I certainly wouldn't be very happy about it, but uh, you know, it's uh, it, it should be your right. And indeed, this is exactly how the U.S. power industry got started. Uh, yeah. It was and it's it's fascinating to me, folks, that, you know, candidly are probably more left leaning, so to speak, and, you know, hate big companies and so forth. Like this whole concoction of a monopoly was a big company idea. They're like, right. yeah, ah, it is how do I get rid of competition and jack my <laughs> profits up? Let's do this. And let's tell the regulators it's for like safety reasons and, <laughs> I mean, I think and it's... all this other stuff. And it's like, strangely, it didn't turn out that way. Like, yeah, yeah. It's because some big company folks, uh, you know, Robert Barron's decided like, Hey, I got an idea. Let's, uh, let's, let's make, let's create a monopoly. I also think there's something to like the foundation of the like like the grid being in New York that functionally does make it important, right? If you're like in a rural area and two yeah. people are stringing wires next to each other, like maybe that's not so bad. If you're going to tell me my streets are going to be ripped up twice as often so they can underground <laughs> the competitors <That's> <laughs> utility grid, I'm like absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I think I think John's point is that the community would still have a say in that, right? They'd they'd have to make that choice, and if it were worth it to them, maybe because the competitors offering an incredible deal, maybe they'd say, you know what, okay. But there's probably a good chance they'd also say no, because for the reason you 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 mentioned, I think he's just saying it shouldn't be disallowed, right? That's Communities right. should be able to determine if they want to do that or not. Yeah, which it, if you I come see. In. You know, this happened. You goes go back to PG&E. This happened. This ex this exact example happened, where another utility that later became part part of PG&E came in and said, "You're this community, San Francisco. We would like to offer rates at half, and we'll go fit and we'll provide more reliability by fixing things when these when PG&E wouldn't." And they had a debate about it, and the community voted it in, and it worked. And then it didn't work because later the yeah. They got gobbled up, but you know, and the rest <laughs> is history. But, yeah. but, but, yeah, that's exactly right. Why, as a community, can't you have the right? And that gives you the ability to negotiate because what now you have negotiating power. You can go back into the monopoly uh, that's no longer monopoly and go, wait a minute. Yeah, I get all these reasons and excuses why the power rates here. Yeah, but but Sonova offered this. So, where are you? Yeah. yeah. So. And so, John, I think the I'd be really interested to hear your view on this. I think the common response to this idea that the community can choose, they're not locked into one person, it's kind of up to them. The common response would be at least, well, without the franchise, no one will be interested, right? If Sonova builds a system for a community and at any time they could then just sign up for the, you know, uh, solar guys system, you know, the other the other competitor, 
like that's a lot of uh sort of unsecured assets you've got out there how do you feel about that right that like do you envision someone like building out a private micro utility being fully exposed to competition yeah i mean look at you know you know, if if you look at the even the, another example, early days of cable, early days of cellular telephony, uh, you know, after a while, it became you know financial suicide to go deploy yet another system, right? Run some more lines. And I was going to say, I remember this dates me back in the '90s, where there were a lot of these CLACs ripping up streets and and putting fiber optic cable in place. And so part of that is, you know, if you agree to do it as a community, you have to suffer through that. But then, you know, you have another asset there uh, that, you know, in, in that case, fiber optic to cable lines, right, for your for your uh, high speed Internet. But I, I yeah, I, I think that, you know, this is this is something that if to turn the tables a bit, if if that's the case and nobody's willing to do it, then what are you scared of, Mr. Monopoly? <laughs> Let's just right. do it. And if it, that nobody shows up, then what do you care? I mean, you pro you, you you've proved a point to everybody, and that's it. So, you must be scared about something, or you wouldn't right. fight me tooth the nail, right? Yeah. Okay. Such so then I've point. got. I think it's a great point. And then I I've got a final one on this. I realize we're getting toward the end. Um. So I think then the last question someone would ask of this perspective. So we've decided. Let's just take a. New, there's a new community in Nevada, and it's. It's letting folks bid on building its power infrastructure, private micro utility. Um, the one other concern I think people would express is that without a without one utility having a franchise on the whole system, the competitor's uh, instinct will be to carve off parts of the system that are more expensive to serve, right? So, um, well, one, yeah, like the obligation to serve. Basically. Yeah, the obligation yeah. to serve is is some would say is is held up by the franchise, right? Um, so one, you know, bidder on this micro communities utility or ut communities micro utility would say, we can actually offer this community a better better deal if we don't serve that little rural pocket out there because it's like way more expensive to get out there. Um, and some people in the community might say, hey, that's great, screw them, right? Others might say, no, that's not good. We have to do that. Like, what do you think about that dynamic? Because that, that's the second point you often hear brought up as like the case for the franchise. Oh, I think oh, we lost we lost frozen. John at exactly the wrong time. <laughs> well, believe it or not, the power went out for John right when Duncan finished asking this question. If we wanted a dramatic effect to illustrate some of the points made in the episode, we couldn't have planned it any better ourselves. So I think it speaks for itself. John rejoined us for a few minutes to wrap it up. So back over to the episode. All right. So hey, welcome that. back. <laughs> no, you're good. See if we only had Sonova service here. That was yeah. that was like a <laughs> divine intervention or something. Unbelievable. I mean, uh, <laughs> Hello. Talking we about obligations to serve, and you know, there, there, there goes the power. <laughs> uh oh, all right, center point. <laughs> <laughs> I that I mean, I don't know what else there is to talk about. I think, I think, I think the whole point of the the episode was just was just proved there. So, 
That's right. That's right. That's true. So um, sorry, I, I saw. Uh, I, I don't know where we were. I think uh, Duncan, were you Duncan asking? Duncan was question? setting up a was setting up a question. I don't know if we want to. I think you know we might as well just move on and into right. our wrap up here. That question could go on for a while, and we lost a lot of time there. So yeah, <laughs> why don't we just move on into the the wrap up section here? All right. Okay. So John, you're you're the energy czar of America, and you get to do one policy. I think I know what it's going to be. What is it? <laughs> I, think, I think we know. Consumer choice. Yeah, that's competition. We're going to enforce this little act that we put together to prevent monopolies called the Sherman Antitrust Act. It's all. Mm. It, the policy exists, huh? There you go. Well, yes. The laws already exist. All you have to do is enforce it. It's So you're going to you know, roll out markets. These are always like, really? No, that doesn't exist. Not for us. And I'm like, yeah, actually it does. And you don't have, a, you know, like even baseball and them, I think they have a, you know, a specific law that Congress passed to allow that, you know, exemption um, and utilities don't. So you're, you're going to roll out markets and retail choice to the Southeast. That's, that's a fight. I'd, I'd, I love that. Yeah. 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 I'm, 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 you know, putting popcorn <laughs> in the microwave. I'm excited for that. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I mean, should Southern Company pick up the tab on their debacle at Vogel, thirty-four and a half billion dollars for eleven hundred mags? And oh, that's a that's a recurring theme for us on the yeah. panel. <laughs> we love talking about that's that. That's wild. Yeah. It probably should have been risk that shareholders should have borne. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh right. yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Not 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 the average Joe and in, in, in the. Well, now um, it's trickle it's trickled all the way up to the federal government as well. So all of us are oh. paying for Vogel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I love that. I actually didn't know that. Um, all right. So now we're going to move into our sort of lightning rounds that we call dope or nope. So we're going to say energy related things. You tell us if, if you like them and they're dope or they're nope, you can provide context. You can also not provide context if it's obvious. Um, so we'll start with an easy one, uh, franchise rights. <laughs> <laughs> that you should have them. Uh, yeah. I think I think it it should be as much competition as you can. Allow. That sounds like that sounds like a nope to me. Colleen <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> getting right into it. Uh, what about Tesla as a retailer? Like an energy uh, retailer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like anybody can do anything they want. And I'm a nope. Because I think you gotta, if you're going to manufacture, be a manufacturer. If you're going to be a service company, be a service company. Trying to do both is uh, almost 100%, and if not 100%, ended up in the courthouse steps for shareholders. So, Obviously, yeah. big fan of uh, Tesla, but I, I always say, you know, Ford and Standard Oil, we're, we're, different, we're different companies, right? I mean, <laughs> making <laughs> commodities and, and making, being an OEM are, are very, very different businesses. Very different. Yeah, that's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not going to make gear. We're not a manufacturer ever. Yeah. We're a source. So. Um, HVDC. So like high voltage transmission. Dope. I mean, sure. If it makes you know financial sense and somebody's willing to put the money into it, um, you should be able to do it. Uh, small modular nuclear. Nope. Don't see it. Ooh, that, yeah, Ooh. nice. 
Expand just a little bit. You just don't think those cost curves are actually going to happen. Mm -hmm. I think the problem is just being the you know trader in me is the issue is, do I agree that the probability of a catastrophic outcome is really, really, really small? Yes, I do. Let's just make that assumption. Problem is when that really, really, really small thing happens, when you've got all these reactors spread all over uh, all over the place, you lose the ability to, to use that piece of land for 10,000 years. It's kind of a long time. Yeah. And you potentially could kill a lot of people, which is a pretty big downside. So when you look at that kind of risk as your risk manager, you're like, yeah, I'm not taking that. It's it's about as fat a tail as you can you can get. Yeah. Okay. So uh, for you, it's not really even about the like small modular thing or any, it's just nuclear in general. Yeah, I mean, at least in a big plant, you've got some, you know, ability to like, okay, we've got it concentrated here and so forth. But yeah, I mean, the reason why that these, you know, Vogel is so expensive, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is they have to put so much into it to make sure that that tail, fat tail event doesn't happen, that yeah. it costs a lot of money. Yeah. And people just say, well, we shouldn't have to do that. I'm like, well, okay, then you live next door to one of those things that didn't do that. <laughs> we'll see yeah. how you sleep at night, you know? Yeah. All right. I think we had a minute left before at least I have to hop. Should we do some big shouts? So <laughs> big shouts to you, John, for joining. So we always like to just shout out uh, people who have helped us along the way. Yeah. Any and policy. on a positive note, you know, um, big shouts to uh, the people in California fighting for micro utilities. <laughs> Hey, big shouts to this uh, Texas uh, aggregated DER pilot. Seems yeah. pretty cool. That's right. Yeah. Seems to be enabling some really cool work. So whoever yeah. whoever was pushing that, big shouts to them. Yeah. Any uh, any shout outs you want to you want to give uh, John to? Uh, I guess in the DER space, all the folks that work at Sonova, uh, you know, yeah. honestly, you know, out there making things happen and pushing, uh, you know, to, to change the world. Shout out to them. Awesome. 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 Well, right. this Thank has been you. great. Power outage and all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, John, so Thanks much for, for, for yeah. coming on. Good. Thank you. All right, cool. Bye. Thanks. Bye.